How can science help Ukraine win and recover? You are listening to the podcast Explain Ukraine. What role can science play in Ukraine's victory and recovery? What problems has Ukrainian science faced over the past decades and how can they be overcome? What are the central science and technology needs on the front line? My name is Volodymyr Yermolonko, I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, the chief editor of ukraineworld.org. In this episode I speak to Yuri Gogodze, a Ukrainian scientist now living and working in the United States. Yuri Gogodze is a distinguished university professor and director of the AJ Drexel Nanomaterials Institute at Drexel University in Philadelphia, United States. He was born, raised and educated in Kyiv, Ukraine, and worked in Western Europe and Japan prior to accepting a faculty position in the US in 1996. Ukraine World is a website in English about Ukraine. It is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Yuri Gogodze, welcome to this podcast. Thank you. Thank so, you, Vladimir, for inviting me. So uh, you are a, a Ukrainian scientist who has been making uh, your career abroad in uh, in different countries, right? You say when you look at right now at Ukraine under the Russian invasion, and of course it's not the best probably time to develop Ukrainian science. But at the same time, we understand that without science, we cannot really compete on the global level and during the war. So when you look at Ukrainian science during the war, what trends do you see? What place does Ukrainian science can play during the war? Well, in general, Ukrainian science uh, has been in disarray because uh, the Soviet style national academy has not been changed and uh, Paton kept uh, uh, this uh, Soviet system uh, which was convenient for members of academy uh, but really did not help changes in development and this is actually one of the reasons that Ukraine was not necessarily technically ready uh, to meet requirements uh, during the war. However, I think the war clearly has clearly shown who is interested in science, who are real scientists, because those are exactly the people who keep working, who apply for grants, who support developments and lobby for support for Ukrainian science. Those are people who keep publishing papers and go into their labs even uh, in cities like Sumy or Zaporizhia or Kharkiv, uh, which are under attack of Russian forces regularly here. So I think war may actually help changing Ukrainian science to better and facilitate and accelerate uh, the changes needed. So you mentioned this academ- Academy of Sciences, and for other audience, let me say that the creation of the Academy of Sciences 
I think it was 1918, and it was uh, huge Ukrainian intellectuals like Hatanhil Krimsky and uh, Vernadsky. And this was, of course, a breakthrough, uh, even, even despite the fact that this Academy of Sciences needed to exist uh, through the Soviet times, and it was many of the scientists were actually also executed by the Stalinist regime. But uh, if, if we take the late Soviet period, we see a kind of a degradation of this model. And I, I perfectly see what you mean uh, by saying that there is a crisis in the Academy of Sciences, because, well, if you look at people who are working there, they're mostly elderly people. Of course, we see the young people, but if we take exact sciences, physics, chemistry, mathematics, many of these young sciences are actually um, attracted abroad. What do you think? What do you think? How can we um, reform it? What future of Ukrainian science do you see? Um, I think the reform is necessary and pretty much inevitable. If science is to exist in Ukraine, uh, the system has to change. And also for people who may be uh, new to the system and not know details, I think what is important to clarify, there are good scientists, there are many really famous world-known scientists who were members of Ukrainian Academy of Sciences. And there are still many scientists, excellent scientists, who are members of academy today, academicians. And the problem is not necessarily with the scientists. The problem is that before the Academy of Sciences was the funding organization for science in Ukraine, like in other countries of the former Soviet Union. And it was receiving guidance from the government where to invest money, what to do. Nowadays, academy gets I guess, less guidance from the government and the world has changed. The amount of money Academy gets is also much, much smaller. And as a result, it just becomes something that stiffens development of scientists with bureaucratic measures, with extremely low productivity. And I think this is what needs to be changed. The way the scientists work, the way science is funded, and the way the academy operates. An academy currently has a huge number of institutes. And Paton kept privileges of academics and the buildings. Science died under him. As a result, there are buildings, there are some scientists, mainly elder scientists here, but there is no really life, very little life in majority of institutes, at least based on what we see from scientific productivity. My feeling that changes should be significant. And first of all, merging to a very large extent academic institutions with universities. Say, in humanities, in institutes, there are definitely many very knowledgeable scientists. And it's only natural if they can share their experience by teaching younger generation. In technological institutions, like the one I used to work at, Institute of Material Science or Institute of Metal Physics, Semiconductors, there are many people who do 
some applied research. There is space that can be used as incubators for high-tech or just technological businesses, futuristic businesses, that scientists get real applications. It can be developing new systems required for defense of Ukraine during the war. It can be artificial intelligence. It can be creating new materials for future technologies that will help Ukraine to build knowledge-based economy in the future. But all those scientists should also teach, share their experience, share their knowledge. And this will also unload currently significantly overloaded uh, professors at universities in Ukraine. As a result, professors become more productive and will be able to spend more time on doing research at the universities. And there will be really uh, some outcomes in addition to research papers from academic scientists in academic institutions here. So I think this is something that, in my opinion, personally, is very important. Bringing together academic institutions, institutes of Ukrainian National Academy with educational institutions in Ukraine and build system based on this. It is very interesting that you are coming from the natural sciences and I come from the humanities. And uh, personally, I really share uh, share your vision because I, I also do think that we need to go more to the connection between education and research because at this moment we have uh, science which is done or presumably done in the Academy of Sciences and education which is done in universities and therefore university professors are really overloaded with the educational um, educational stuff and cannot really sometimes do the research. For our listeners, uh, you mentioned, uh, Yuri, the name of Paton. This is Bor Boris Paton, who is actually was born the same year as the Ukrainian Academy of Sciences was founded in 1918. And he died uh, a few years ago at the age of, I think, over 100 years. So one Ukraine was celebrating 100 years of Ukrainian Academy of Sciences. It was also celebrating 100 years of its director, of its president. So this also uh, gives us an understanding what was going on. But let me ask you, Yuri, uh, when you look at the Ukrainian science, what are the fields, the directions, the trends that you see are the most promising and where the Ukrainian scientists are really... Uh, really on on the global can compete on the global level oh well there, there are several fields there are traditional fields where ukrainian science used to be very strong that's physics to a very large extent uh, that's of course uh, kharkiv uh, school uh, and donetsk to a certain extent in the past here that's material science which is my field uh, Ukraine uh, was uh, the leader in the former Soviet Union in that field. And there are still many materials researchers there. And there was also a strong industry, uh, to a large extent, unfortunately, based in the eastern part of Ukraine, uh, which is either occupied uh, by Russia nowadays or simply has been 
to a very large extent destroyed and damaged the industry there. But these fields are still strong. There is tradition, there are scientists, and of course, it's necessary to strengthen the base also because materials are the base of military technology, the base of also all high, uh, high technology, advanced technology. Ukraine also became one of the leaders in information technology. When I attended the economic forum uh, before uh, the war, um, I also learned that Ukraine was at that time number seven in the world in IT. So what it means that that's again another great area for development, artificial intelligence, big data, machine learning. Those are very, very important field being developed around the world. And Ukraine clearly has a potential to become successful and become eventually a leader there. And there are also medical sciences. There are actually some really excellent researchers uh, who work in the field. So I think those are field, fields Ukraine need to build upon. Also for Ukraine as an agricultural country, agricultural science will be extremely important to have modern agriculture. The most advanced agriculture, like for example, Israel created uh, producing food, enough food in deserts to feed a significant part of Europe uh, with uh, vegetables, uh, say. So I think those are areas Ukraine should strengthen, should develop and become an equal player with other European countries if Ukraine uh, sees itself as a part of European community in the future. Sometimes we have the impression that all this is true, but there is a problem of brain drain and younger scientists are actually attracted uh, to the West. And um, at very early level, at the age of 20-something or 30, they really apply for grants, they travel abroad, they find places, workplaces there. They, they, they work, they, they, they compete, they become professional, but gradually they're losing the ties with not only Ukrainian science, but also Ukrainian society and Ukrainian life. Do you have this impression? Yes and no. Let me tell you what I mean under this. Without scientists going to work abroad, learning how research is done in different countries, it would be impossible to rebuild Ukrainian science. It's impossible to believe that uh, 70, 80 year old uh, Ukrainian academicians will be able to change the system. They simply don't know how science is done in the world. I learned myself, for example, when I left in 1990 as a Humboldt fellow, went to Germany. After that, I spent a year as a Japan Society for Promotion of Science fellow in Japan. Then I returned to Europe before accepting a job in the US faculty position in Chicago. I learned a lot from this travel because I have seen how research is done in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, in Japan, and it helped me significantly. So I think the problem is not that people go abroad, study abroad, work abroad. The issue is how to attract those people back, how to keep bridges. And this is, I think, 
the key challenge. However, there are solutions. For example, on a number of occasions in the past, I try to suggest my Ukrainian colleagues send their PhD students and postdocs for a while to spend a year or two or do PhD study at Drexel University with me. In most cases, or pretty much all cases, I got no. They were just afraid to lose people. Instead of appreciating the fact that those are collaborations, they would win much more, they won't lose, even if at the end of the day, some of these researchers would prefer to stay abroad. They don't understand this value of international collaboration, many people at least there. Second, China, Korea, other countries, Poland, returned many scientists working abroad by simply offering opportunities. And opportunities don't necessarily mean very high salaries. Yes, salaries should be sufficient to live decent life and be able to dedicate uh, all time to science, to teaching, to research, uh, not to, for example, uh, sell something on the market to be able to survive. Uh, or grow uh, potatoes uh, to uh, have an extra income or drive Uber maybe nowadays, things like However, it's all doable. For example, in Japan and Korea, in top institutions, all universities, pretty much uh, major universities, requirement for obtaining a faculty position was at least a year or two spent at a foreign institution abroad. I'm sure for many researchers coming back and getting a position, independent position would be attractive. China went through a very fast transformation of very similar archaic system of Academy of Sciences, academic institutions, uh, and rebuilt the system, becoming very advanced, very modern, because they were inviting people back and paying them based on performance. So 30-year-old young researchers would get more money and higher position and more opportunities compared to scientists who could not speak English, uh, who uh, did not know how to write research proposals. And this gave freedom. What stiffens nowadays science in Ukraine? People who do research, younger scientists in the same National Academy of Sciences, they have very limited rights and opportunities to grow, to manage their funding. And if people are given such an opportunities, I'm sure there will be a number of people who will return. And especially during the war, I have seen estimates of uh, more than 10% of scientists left Ukraine. So there is a huge wave and I'm sure not all of them will like or will want to stay because they may have families left. For example, a woman went abroad and uh, her husband uh, or son are staying back in Ukraine. They will be interested to come back if they are offered these opportunities here. So I think Exchange is important, study abroad is important, experience, international experience are critically important because people who come back will be the one rebuilding Ukrainian science.
Yes, I fully agree. And I do think that we need uh, certain institutional changes because there are really lots of very talented people in Ukraine. And Ukrainians in the past decades, they they have uh, this capacity of adaptation. Their thinking is very flexible. It's very plastic. And I think this is precisely this plasticity of thinking can create uh, good scientists, creative scientists who are looking for unobvious, non-obvious solutions. Let me ask you about the war, because the war is, as we understand, not only uh, a war of resources, a war of human lives, a war of suffering, but also a war of technology. And we see example of countries like Israel who are, are actually succeeded in turning this permanent threat into a, a uh, an, an opportunity for technological uh, uh, technological impetus or technological uh, boost. Do you think that Ukraine can do that as well? Do you think Ukraine can turn this very, very bad thing, which is uh, the war, but also into a kind of a stimulus for uh, developing new technologies and new scientific approaches? And if yes, what do you think are the most prominent, the most uh, important fields? Um. Well, actually, we will probably come to a large extent to the same field we discussed before. Um, I read in the news uh, that uh, Ukrainian uh, engineer scientists already developing UAVs uh, that uh, can be used uh, uh, in defense and modify existing equipment here. But the focus during the war is always on technologies that help the country to defend itself and develop military machine. And this happened not only in Israel. Uh, for example, during the World War II, Germany developed a very important process used till nowadays of liquefaction of coal because they did not have supply of oil, but they had coal and they needed gasoline and kerosene for their military machine. United States launched an enormous uh, project to develop uh, nuclear weapons and of course many other weapon systems were developed during the war and actually just to remind everyone MIT became superpower during World War II because this was a university which opened itself to defense contracts and work directly helping uh, defense industry and this is where MIT became uh, probably the leading technological institution in the world as it is right now, there is potentially nothing preventing Ukraine doing the same. However, this will require political will. This will require resources streamlined. This will require mobilization of scientists and giving them opportunity to work on the topics that are important for the country during the war time, at the same time, minimize the bureaucracy uh, that exists in the current uh, system here. And scientists, good scientists, given freedom to work in their field and a goal that they will also feel important that motivates them, can really make miracles, of course, with resources here. So again, the same materials. People started to make uh, uh, armor, uh, bulletproof vest, right after the war started, because there are not enough of them. 
for uh, regional defense and for the army. People create flying this uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, drones. And of course, we see how much uh, digital technology matters during the war. So again, just focusing on the topics and thinking how to benefit, how to learn from all the equipment Ukraine got uh, during the war from the West. Equipment that was captured from Russia. Learning the best practices, learning how to uh, not only use and repair it, but how to build better one gives also unique opportunities. War is a time where people put the maximum efforts because it's a matter of survival for the country things here and this is an opportunity to create or recreate i would say a heavy defense industry and research because in the soviet time ukraine actually was the center of uh, material and technological development uh, from rocket engines to the most advanced materials uh, to uh, nuclear physics. But after the breakdown of the former Soviet Union, 80% of work was not needed uh, anymore. And this has led to uh, stagnation, to departure of many scientists here. However, there is still opportunity to rebuild because there are still institutions, there are still experiences, scientists with knowledge in the field. And of course, there is this young generation of IT specialists uh, who used to work for IT companies around the world, who again can put their effort to help Ukraine now. If you were in the government, in the Ukrainian government, and uh, you were you would be tasked, for example, to uh, to make a stake on a specific field, specific directions, and then talk to investors and persuade them to invest in this in these areas. How how would you see the Ukrainian sciences in, let's say, five or ten years? Look, I would like to see Ukrainian scientists and Ukrainian science and actually the country becoming high-tech. Uh, look at uh, the huge titanium uh, figure standing um, over Lavra and uh, Dnieper uh, made of titanium. Ukraine was a major manufacturer of titanium. There were silicon wafer manufacturing, there were rocket engines manufacturing. There is still experience around. There are people who can advance those industries and of course science making the best materials. There are people who can build using these materials, very advanced machinery and equipment guided by the best possible software. And this would require bringing whatever is available in Ukraine, top researchers, senior researchers, junior researchers, forming teams, not continuing to work uh, within existing directions, institutions where people would for 30 years from actually PhD study till retirement explored the same topic. But bringing people from different discipline fields together solve to solve important problems here. And then within a couple of year time, definitely within five years, uh, major changes are possible. 
and there is also i think uh, a will um, in the world in the us in western europe other countries help ukraine to become strong be able to defend itself and this development during the war investment into uh, both military uh, science technologies are relevant for defense here would help ukraine move in this direction and anticipate that after the end of the war after the victory there will be significant investments but planning them is important right now and i hope that oxen lisavi uh, the new uh, education science minister and uh, his uh, deputies understand this and will be able to uh, plan here. Um, Denis Korbatov came from Sumi State University, I think one of the most uh, uh, westernized and least corrupted universities in Ukraine. I think those people have a chance now to make a real impact. But of course, they will need help from the government. They will need approval of President Zelensky to make radical changes in uh, science in the research and education system in Ukraine. Let's hope we will succeed in that. There is an energy for these changes. And uh, I also believe that there are people who didn't lost their potential despite the difficult years after the independence, despite the decades of the 90s and 2000s when a lot of Ukrainian scientific potential was actually lost. But uh, let's hope it's not forever and we will have a revival of Ukrainian science very soon. I do work with a number of Ukrainian scientists. We write papers together and they do research during the war. I speak frequently and actually uh, just a couple of days ago, I presented a conference in Lviv and I gave a seminar in Kharkiv a week before that. And those are usually young, junior or mid-career scientists who are active. All these lectures, majority of lectures that I give, except public lectures, are in English. People understand English, people listen, people ask smart questions. There are definitely scientists that need to be empowered. They need opportunity, they need funding, they need support from government, and then they will help Ukraine to become a technological superpower. Yuri Gogoti, thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, Vladimir. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. My guest today was Yuri Gogotsi, a Ukrainian scientist now living and working in the United States at Drexel University in Philadelphia. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us at patreon.com slash Ukraine World. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.